Welcome to the Treasure Valley Real Estate Show with Kurt Wilkins, brought to you by WeLoveIdaho.com. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Treasure Valley Real Estate Show. This is Kurt Wilkins, your host. It's my honor to have Don Wixom with us today with REMAX Executives in Nampa. Don, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about your information. Your, how long have you been in real estate? Good morning. Thanks for having me on here, Kurt. Well, like you, I've been in real estate since the 1900s. <laughs> <laughs> I was licensed originally in 1996 and been doing this for about 26 years, I guess. So uh, I worked for Century 21 for a couple of years and then joined a worldwide franchise with Remax. For about 11 of those years, I owned and operated my own uh, Remax franchise there in Nampa as a designated broker. So a few years back, I sold the franchise and decided to do what I love most, and that's to help my buyers and sellers. So yeah, that's where <laughs> I'm at. Got a, a lot of years under my belt. That's good. Tell us about how they get a hold of you. How would they reach you, Don? Well, your listeners can call or text me at 208 208- You can also visit my website at sellidaho.com, and I've got open access to the entire MLS active listings, which are updated daily. Well, I want to begin by just stating, most of my listeners know this, but I work exclusively with sellers, so I don't really work with buyers. I refer those out, and you're one of only two agents that I refer those buyers to. Michelle DeRoos is another person I've known for decades like you and trust. And I've sent you referrals. You worked with a brother-in-law and also a, a close neighbor, and they had a marvelous experience awesome. uh, working with you. So it's always I, good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> they both felt and thanked me for referring them to a pro. So let me ask you this. You have some designations, some letters behind your name. Tell me what they are. Well, during uh, my 26 years, I guess I've studied and obtained several specialty designations. I'm a graduate of the Realtor Institute known as the GRI. I know a lot of people look at realtors' cards and they see all the letters following the name. It's like, what is that alphabet following him? But I'm a certified residential specialist, or CRS. I'm also an accredited buyer representative, so the ABR. And back in the 90s, I was one of the first ePro realtors learning how to work with online customers. And boy, has that changed over the years. So yeah, it's been uh, buyers, you know, really value the experience I've had in the industry, but not in just years, but closing an average of about 60 transactions every year, I learn a little bit more to help the next buyer. So that's been very helpful. Oh, that's awesome. I want to talk about these designations a little bit because most people out there don't know what they mean. They're meaningless on our cards (laughs) because we don't, they're not promoted very well. But if you have a CRS, a GRI, an ABA, uh, you're a broker, you're in the top 1% or 2% of all realtors nationwide. That's right. And if I could get people to understand, a lot of people, when they determine they want to buy or sell a house, go to a relative or a friend of a friend, and that's the worst way to select a realtor, in my opinion. You, you, get, you, know, you often get somebody that's part-time or that's just new in the business, and you're having them assist you with the largest purchase that Americans ever make. And I recommend that people, and realtors might cringe for me to say this, but I recommend that buyers or sellers recommend that they interview two or three realtors, just like you would if you were going to do a remodel. You want to have some feedback from different sources just to figure out who you felt most comfortable in working with and who you felt like gave you the best, I'm not going to say the lowest bid, but the best bid that fits your needs. What are your thoughts about that? Well, you're exactly right. And I I think that right now we have a little over 
9,000 agents in our MLS locally. So a lot of them are part-time. We used to say everybody knows a couple of realtors. Well, now everybody knows seven or eight realtors, including a lot of family members. So it is important to find somebody that can really take care of your needs in a professional manner with some experience. They know how to best represent you in finding your property. Having those designations, the GRI, the CRS, the ABR, you know, it sounds a little cliche, but there's a lot of training that goes in along with that. Hours of study, tests, exams, and requirements of closing a certain number of transactions, as you know. So it's very helpful to have someone on your side, an advocate that can look out for your best interest with those experiences rather than just fresh out of the gate. It's too easy these days really to get your real estate license. So a lot of this education comes along not only with years of experience, but also with those designations and those studies that go along with it. Mm -hmm. I agree with you 100%. If I refer one of my buyers to you, tell me what steps you take. How do you walk a buyer through the buying process? What's your procedure, normal procedure with a buyer? Well, typically I would, you know, qualify them to find out exactly what their needs are, find out if they're able to purchase. Uh, but we, we walk through the process of financing as well as uh, what cash is available, how long they've been on their job, all those sorts of things. So I kind of do a little bit of pre-qualifying before I send them to a lender even. But sending them to the lender, that will really give us the full picture so they can run their credit, determine how long they've been on their job, those sorts of things. But I look for what they're, you know, what they're seeking for and really dive in to find the right home for them, but educating them along the way, especially in this tough market, Kurt. As you know, it's a tight market for buyers right now, and inventory levels are low, prices are high, and that means competition is stiff. So I try my best to educate the buyers to the facts of the market. This book that I helped publish back in 2004, you know, is how to help your buyer make, how to make your realtor get you the best deal. But right now it's how to get your buyer the best deal or get him the house more so than just getting them the best price on it. So with limited inventory to to select from, it makes it tougher. So presenting the cleanest offer possible, that's the key. And so with my help, we try our, our best to find out what the seller is looking for, their time frame, do they need to rent back, what's important to the seller. Then I work with my buyers to present an offer that's appealing, uh, make sure that it's professional, no extra details of asking for the lawnmower, the coffee table, nobody's got time for that anymore. So we want a clutter-free offer and try to avoid contingencies, if at all possible. So, yeah, that's that's kind of a few things that we can cover on the front end. You know, we used to go to some pretty elaborate steps to stage houses for sale. I don't think anybody's doing that anymore, are they? There, there are a few, and it does help at times. But, yeah, it's it, it, they sell so quickly. It's like nobody has time to even get the stager out there to get furniture moved in and take pictures. So there are some virtual staging things that are happening, as you've probably seen. But, uh, yeah, they're just selling too fast. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about REMAX, because for years, and I started in real estate in 1974, my MLS number is 418. What's yours? <laughs> Mine's 331. And it's in the 55,000 now. Isn't that something? So. <laughs> yeah. You got the low digits. Well, we were. I was part of the initial group that started MLS in, in the area. It was, it, was, it was a long time ago. But REMAX has always been a really dominant company in real estate. I think they still lead the the country in total sales, right, annually? Yes, I think uh, we, worldwide, definitely, and I believe the United States, nobody sells more real estate than REMAX. I still think that's their claim to fame. But Kurt, as you know, this career is expensive to maintain. 
with licensing fees, continuing education, realtor dues, errors and emissions insurance, lockbox fees, all that stuff that we have to pay. So Remax was founded back in 1973 as the first 100% franchise brokerage. And so that means that rather than paying half of our commissions to the broker, uh, the agent gets to keep 100% of that. And in today's market, I would say essentially 100% of that. There's always little fees that that go into that. But the trade-off is a set monthly fee. So it still is very expensive to maintain that monthly fee. But the more you produce, the more you can actually keep in your pocket and support your family with that. So I've been with Remax franchise for over 23 years now, and I see the value and the power and the brand. Yeah, it's got a great reputation. Back in 1977, Wilkins and Roan, my first brokerage, we we had a 100% desk fee concept. And it really attracts top producers because if you're a top producer, you don't want to share 30, 40, 50, 60. Right. Uh, It makes sense. you, you You want to retain the whole commission. So I like that concept. Tell us what you see happening in the Treasure Valley over the next two to three years if you had a little magic ball and, and could guess what's going to happen. And you guys probably have economists that tell you kind of what their expectations are. We, and we get good economist uh, recommendations from NAR, but locally, what do you think is going to happen the next two or three years? Well, needless to say, uh, our valley's growing and people love the Treasure Valley and everything it has to offer. So families continue to grow. I've got a grandson who just turned 15. Next thing you know, he's going to be out buying a house. So not only is it in migration from other states, people moving here, but there's a lot of pent-up demand with families just growing and splitting off. So I believe that we'll continue to see growth for the next few years, if not longer. The market prices are driven by supply and demand, as you know. So if interest rates continue to creep up, it may limit the demand simply for some who may not be able to afford to buy. But I think prices will begin to stabilize maybe this fall, But we will see slight increases, certainly through this summer, at least. So the market uh, strong in the Treasure Valley and will continue to go so, I think, for the next few years. You know, we had one of our guests come on, and their their economists for this area projected that there'll be 50 to 60,000 people per year moving into the Treasure Valley. So over the next three years. Mm. So that is pretty strong. We see them on the roads. Oh, we do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. How does a first-time home buyer compete? I mean... There is no such thing as a first-time home anymore. In the old days, a $100,000 house was a luxury home, you know, right. I mean, back in the 70s. I mean, and now 500000 is a it's a little bit higher than a starter home. But where does a first-time home buyer go to buy their first home? You know, when I first got into the business uh, back in the 90s, I told my wife, I said, man, when I sell a $200,000 home, we're going to dinner. That was like a big, big deal, right? <laughs> yep. But first-time home buyers, they've got a rough time in this market. We're, we're usually talking about younger people whose income levels can't truly support the average home price in the Treasure Valley. And I believe the area median income of about 60000 a year with, you know, 3% down, a buyer can afford a home of about three sixty. So that means that they would need an additional $100,000 down payment to buy the average home price, even in Canyon County, and $270,000 down payment to buy the average home price in Ada County. So with that, there are some tremendous loan programs available, some with zero down still. Uh, I would educate first-time home buyers to the fact that they may not get the beautiful dream home right out the gate, but they should get on the train and buy what they can afford as long as it's safe and sound. They may need to exercise some sweat equity and know how to fix a few things, make some improvements, and work their way up to the house of their dreams. 
So make sure you've got a stable job. Wait on that fancy car or truck. Make your home the priority before stretching your credit limit so far that you can't buy. And save for a down payment. Yeah, that's really good information because we have so many people come to us and they, they've got good jobs, good credit, but they just don't realize how far the market has gone as far right. as price range. And they're just shocked when they see what three or $400,000 buys anymore. It's, a, it's an older home that sometimes needs work and not necessarily a brand new subdivision. Well, for sure, not a brand new subdivision. So it, it's a it's a hard job to educate those it buyers, and it's disappointing for them when they learn that, and and it's also disappointing when they submit repeated offers and they're aced out by cash offers or bids that go well above the listing price. So it's important for buyers to know that it may take six, seven, eight tries at an offer before they get something accepted, and that can become very frustrating. Very time consuming, very time consuming for us as agents. But you know that's what we got to do. We got to be there to help them out and do our best to make a clean offer and make ours our shine over the competition. Hey Don, remind people this is Don Wixom from Remax Executives, I should say, and uh, remind people how they can get a hold of you, Don. Sure, yeah, you can reach me. You can call or text at two zero eight 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 zero five zero three nine, or visit my website sellidaho.com. Well, you know, we used to be able to go out in concentric rings away from Boise and see the prices drop. And there is a drop between Ada and Canyon County. We're going clear out to as far as Fruitland and out really outlying areas, and still prices are strong. Are you trying to get buyers out further so they can? it's more affordable? What's, what's your strategy with yes, the buyers? Yes, it is necessary. I've sold a couple properties in Mountain Home this last year. I've sold several in the Payette and Fruitland area got one pending right now in New Plymouth. So I'm traveling more than usual. And even though those rural areas are increasing in price faster than the growth can allow, yeah, that's kind of a reverse gentrification, if you think about it, rather than people moving into the city center to, you know, kind of all get together. That's like they can't afford that. So now they're going out, Greenleaf, Middleton, all those, you know, smaller areas. Mm-hmm. So yes, we're, we're traveling. We don't show as many houses as we used to, because of the internet and the pictures that are available. Mm-hmm. But now we're driving a little farther out just to meet the needs of our buyers. Yeah, it's just a, it's a necessity right now. Were there things that you would like to discuss, if there's anything? Well, I know we had talked about uh, available homes being, you know, under that 500000 or are pretty few and far between. Mm-hmm. Most homes are sold between March and August, and so as we approach the spring and summer months, we'll see higher competition and most offers at or above asking price. Now, that's not taking into consideration that the seller might be overpriced because, you know, a lot of these people are like, hey, my neighbor sold theirs for 600000 down the street, so I want six fifty. Well, it's an immediately overpriced listing, and so there are exceptions to that rule. But for the most part, we will see more multiple offers and offers over the asking price. You know, one thing that happens with inexperienced agents is we used to call it buying listings, and it still exists. So they go out and they come in. They tell the seller they can get X when really they can't. There are, right. There's no justification for it. And then the seller ends up lowering their price several times before it actually gets off the market. And it's on the market for quite an extended period of time before it comes down to reality. Are you seeing that a lot now in the market? 
Yeah, and it's more driven, I think, by the sellers themselves. They're like, oh, that's true. no, you, the agent might say, hey, it, uh, I could list it for 600 but the, the seller says, well, I want 650 So as the agent, what do you do? It's like, okay, well, let's try it and see what happens. And sometimes it blows us away, and it's like, okay, we sold it for 675 <laughs> Right. <laughs> so you just don't know. This market's just a wild card. You know, you know, as a listing agent, you want to get as most as you can for your seller. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a buyer's agent, we want to make sure that we can get them the house that they need at hopefully the best price possible. But Kurt, I certainly appreciate you as a a great resource and a friend to know, and I value your referrals. I take them very seriously. Referrals are truly the backbone of my business, and 95% of my closed transactions come from my database of past clients, my sphere of influence, and from referrals from friends like you. So I appreciate that. That's the golden business, isn't it? It's hard when you first get in real estate because you don't know anybody. Right. Uh, and they don't know you, you don't have a reputation. It's tough those first few years to get your foot in the door. But after you've established yourself, and if you've done a good job for your clients, they are more than happy and willing to refer you to their friends and neighbors and come back to you as future clients. And that's when the business really gets golden, in in my opinion. Tell me maybe one or two of the the best transactions you've had in recent years. Uh, Maybe transactions that were picture perfect, maybe a first-time buyer in this market that that things just fell together with. Anything like that you want to share? Wow. I don't know if there's any of those uh, perfect transactions. There's there's probably a couple that have come close, but you know, I'd have to say working with a really good lender, I use Leon Baker over at Academy Mortgage, if I could throw that in there. He's, yeah. he's one of the best in the state, and his team really takes good care of my buyers having them pre-qualified, getting that loan approval letter before we go out to the market to look at houses, I can always trust where he's at. And he can tell me, hey, this deal will fly, or no, Don, I think maybe they should wait another three or four months before they can kind of qualify. That is golden. And so I think, you know, having that in intact right there, and I know those deals I've done with Leon, they run pretty smoothly. Cash is king, as you know. We don't have to deal with appraisals, lenders, or anything but having a good lender on your team can make all the difference. Tell me about, uh, we both have old cars in common. We both <laughs> like classic cars. Tell us about your Corvette. Yeah, so um, I woke up my my nine-year-old son back in 2000 and said, hey, you want to go with me to Salt Lake? We're going to go down and buy a car. Told him we're going to drive home in a red convertible. I was intending to buy a 1973 Triumph Spitfire. I went down there. It was a 74. It was painted. Glass was cracked. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is not my car. So we stayed an extra day, and I found this 1962 Corvette. It's beautiful, and it was a stretch for me at the time. Didn't know how I was going to do it. I had my buddy with me, and we came up with a, a scheme and a plan to come up with some cash, and we drove that 62 Corvette home. Now it's, what, 22 years later? My son's 31, and he, he's he's thinking he's going to probably inherit that car, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Well, I'd like you have had the old car bug for years and have had lots of collector cars. And it, it's just a fun hobby. It and, really is. And it's enjoyable. And you can get the family involved and go on different cruises and stuff with them. And it's just fun. Fun stuff. Yeah. Yep. Any other advice that you'd give a buyer or seller in this market right now that uh, that might be helpful for them in getting maximum value for their house if they're selling and just in fact, getting a house if they're trying to buy. What Anything that you'd like to share with 
Well, I think that, uh, you know, a lot of buyers will, will jump in this market and they feel so pressured that they just settle sometimes for the house that's not really what they want. And sometimes you have to do that when there's not much to choose from. But as we wait through the months, if you have the time to be patient, there will be more houses coming onto the market and hopefully find just the right one. I am able to notify through a notification system my buyers to let them know when a home matching their criteria pops up on the market, so they will know immediately. So if that happens, we must act quickly. But I think being patient to find the right house is, is truly key. Sellers, we're not so much in a price war to, in a uh, beauty contest like we used to be. It's like you put your house on the market and, and you're going to sell it. But you still need to put your best foot forward, making sure that things are clean and making sure that it's priced properly. You know, the old way of establishing value was to look at comparable sales within a short radius of the subject property that had occurred in the last six months and then base your comps, your sale price on that. That's just gone out the window because of bids that come in above selling price. And so it seems like we're always behind right now uh, in advising sellers what their houses are worth. So as as agents, we're... We're kind of have to project a little bit what we think right. the real market is, right? That's kind right. of tricky, isn't it? Yeah, and appraisers use that market trend addendum oftentimes to establish a value. You know, if the market is increasing, they can use that addendum to say, all right, it's increasing a certain percent every month, and so therefore we can justify the value being a little higher. And the same thing in a declining market. If the values are going down, people are like, wait a minute, the neighbor's house sold for 400 Why is mine only worth 380 Well, values are going down. So you have to just play with those numbers and try to outguess them. It's just like getting bids right now from a contractor. Add 20% and you'll be okay if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Bill, I've, had, I've interviewed some builders at Highland Homes recently, and they went through just an uh, incredible period during COVID because of supply issues and, oh, yeah. and price increases. Lumber prices. Yep. Yeah, everything. And they... They had fixed their price with the with the buyers, uh, but now a lot of the builders are putting in escalation clauses in their contracts to protect them. That's uh, right. Uh, some some builders have sold houses at a loss just simply because they didn't anticipate these huge costs. And that being said, you, we are seeing fewer to be built listings or speculative homes. They're waiting till they're done. And then listing them. That way they know their cost. They know what they're going to get out of them. So they wait till the house is complete, material costs, the bids are in, everything's done, and then they'll put it on the market. I just sold a home to a cousin that the builder builds about 20 homes at a time. He doesn't want to deal with buyers. He mm. builds them per his spec in a specific subdivision. He's got about five or six floor plans, and he varies the elevations on them, but he finishes them as he wants to, and then he puts them on the market at about eight or ten at a time. That's that's kind of a new concept. It really is. But they don't. He doesn't run the risk of, or the time and the consuming part of working with a buyer that wants to change Selecting the walls all their tile and, 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 color. The, and the yep. tiles every other day and so right. forth. So it's a it's a different concept, but it work, it's working well it's for working. him. And they were happy. They were tickled with the house. It was a good quality house. Good. What are you seeing as far as appraisals? The majority of my appraisals are coming in at the selling price. Are you seeing the same thing? Pretty much. Uh, we have had a couple come in low this past year, but for the most part, they're they're hanging right in there at what the sales price is. Just had one come in the other day, as a matter of fact, and I think it was 1000 over 
what our agreed price was. Pretty, yeah. t- pretty tight numbers. Yeah, really. Have you been successful in in providing comps for the appraiser in the cases where they've come in low? Have they have they moved their prices up or they typically won't budge uh-huh. once their appraisal's done they're pretty much done yeah. it's, it's a tough thing to argue yeah and an fha appraisal as you know will stick with that property address for a good six months after that mm-hmm. so it's tough to even get a new one mm-hmm. but i have had some conventional buyers reach out and get a different appraiser if it just looks crazy and they can come up with spend an extra six hundred dollars and get a completely different appraisal with a different outcome so, uh-huh yeah, sometimes you just have to do that. In the old days, the appraisers actually allowed us to give them, if right. we had good comps, if they if they were really legitimate comps and they missed them, they would they would listen they to would us listen. and often adjust their appraisals. But Not so much yeah, anymore. Yeah. It's an interesting market <laughs> it for is. sure. What about love letters uh, with buyers? You know, we've, we've heard pros and cons about love letters. And just so the audience knows, what's your definition of a love letter? Sure. So... Uh, it was a trend there for a while. Buyers would say, oh, please pick our offer. We love your home. Our two-year-old loves the backyard, and it's within walking distance to our church and all these different things. Well, RESPA, the Real Estate Settlement Protection Act, as you know, they are not fond of those love letters anymore, and sometimes they just get thrown out the window and they're discouraging them. However, there are some sellers that love to see those. For most sellers, I think it's just bottom line numbers. They look at the, the bottom price net number and say, that's the offer we want, but sometimes you can tug at those heartstrings and we've been trying so many offers and, you know, it, it just says a lot about the buyer, but we have to be careful about equal housing opportunities because it talks oftentimes about familial status, those sorts of things that can be a violation in the lending process, especially. Yeah. There are really some landmines involved in yes, doing those. There I, are. I don't do them. I just won't, I don't do them. But one other thing I might throw out there when, when you're looking at a VA buyer, and God bless our vets. I mean, they've sacrificed and they've worked hard. It is a tough thing for a veteran to use their VA benefits in this competitive market. If a seller looks at a VA offer, they'll say, oh my, that goes to the bottom of the stack just because of the program, not because of the vet, but because of the program that's offered to them. So oftentimes there are alternative loan programs available. So talk with your lender about that. VA benefits on the buying side are not always the best option. For a vet, that you can use some Idaho housing money, uh, zero down programs that makes your offer a little bit more competitive because it won't cost the seller as much money in that closing time. You know, my son uh, just had a home burn uh, a few weeks ago. They were renting; they were going to buy. They talked about getting renters insurance. They didn't get it. It burned. They had a total loss of oh, no. virtually everything. But he was a veteran, and he used his VA benefits. And it's been a long time since I've done a VA loan just because of some of the things you explained. Right. But I didn't realize that there were the VA loan fees to the veteran are so high. And they were $15,000. Mm-hmm. You know, ever, the companies advertise on television that you can get a zero-down VA loan and right. so forth. I don't really think that's possible. Well, they'll add that to the loan. They'll add two and a quarter percent right to the loan amount right, right. out the gate. So yeah, so you're going to owe more than you borrowed, yep. but and it costs the seller, you know, those extra fees because the seller has to pay for the appraisal and the loan doc fees and all that. So it makes your offer less competitive. It does. Yeah. Anyway, we got we got a VA offer accepted. So good. We were very lucky. Yes, that's a <laughs> that's a rare one in this market. Tell people uh, who we're talking to and how they can get a hold of you. Well, thanks again, Kurt. This is Don Wixom at REMAX Executives. Uh, I can be reached by phone or text at 208-880-5039.
or you can visit my website, sellidaho.com. Well, in closing, I just want to remind people, I'd like to be your listing agent. I'd like to have Don or Michelle be your, your buyer's agent. And my goal is to try to always maximize the value to the sellers. And I try to excel at that. And I know you excel at everything that you do in real estate. So, um, Well, thank you, Kurt. If, I know you do a great job, and it's just good to have good good colleagues like you. For sure. <laughs> it is fun when we work with pros, you know. And yes. Man, in today's market, there are assistants, there are transaction coordinators. In, in some transactions, I don't even know who I'm supposed to right. be communicating <laughs> with. I'll say, who am, who am I supposed to relay this right. to? And you know, I get a list of three or four people. But it's fun to deal with pros like you. Yes, I appreciate that. Thank Thank you. you for being on the show today. You're listening to the Treasure Valley Real Estate Show. Please listen in every Saturday, and we will try to share really expert information from professionals in the Valley. Thank you very much for listening.